What's up, everyone? Welcome back to The Planet Today. Today is Friday, July 29th, 2022. I'm your host, Matt Norton, here by myself today because we're about to air my interview with Tara Lordy and Bobby O'Shields of We Do. I'm on vacation this week, so we record an interview in advance. That way I could take a week off, but you, our precious listeners, would not miss a single episode. Before we do that, today's episode is brought to you by Vala Alta. Vala Alta's Everyday Handkerchief is a high-performance daily-use handkerchief designed to help minimize your impact. Made in the United States from sustainably sourced Irish linen, capturing the material's historic craftsmanship and natural antimicrobial properties, handkerchiefs perfectly balance softness with durability and absorbency with rapid drying. Ideal for functional use in all settings, from the outdoors to routine encounters, their small and lightweight design makes one a must-carry for wherever life takes you. Build your own bundles from limited edition colors at valaalta.co and save 15% with code TPT at checkout. That's V-A-L-A-A-L-T-A dot co and code TPT. Here on the planet today, we cover the latest in climate change, wildlife conservation, renewable energy, and environmental policy with two episodes every week coming your way Monday and Friday. And with that, we're going to get right into the interview. Today on the planet today, we are joined by Tara Lordy and Bobby O'Shields. Their company, We Do, are on the forefront of waterway cleanup in an environmentally safe manner. They aim to keep herbicides and toxic chemicals out of the water using clean mechanical weed harvesters and cutters in order to provide solutions that preserve nature. Tara Lordy, Bobby O'Shields, welcome to the planet today. Thank you for having us. We're very grateful for you uh, inviting us so we can share what our angle is to assisting the planet on better and cleaner waterways. Awesome. So let's take it back. And this is going to be you know, a question for each of you individually, I guess. But what got both of you first interested in environmentalism, climate change, sustainability, that whole umbrella? So I grew up in upstate New York, um, about uh, an hour outside of New York City, where it wasn't New York City at all. It was actually mountains. Um, we used to jump off cliffs and swim in waters. And it was very um, kind of farm to table lifestyle. Um, anytime you saw a lake, you never were afraid to jump in and swim and enjoy and, and feel um, nature. Um, today, it's another story. Today, you go and you look for a sign that actually might say, hey, this lake was sprayed or hey, this lake had pellets or hey, this lake was treated with herbicides. Don't swim for 24 hours. And that, for me, is very upsetting when you grow up with the freedom of being able to do that. And then you have these warning signs. It's it's very detrimental to your 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 whole upbringing. And my husband and I started this company about 15 years ago, really 20 years ago. But 15 years ago, we really put this company together. He grew up in Toronto, and I grew up um, in upstate New York. So we both had similar trees and similar situations, and had uh, environmental feelings as a as a as a forefront of how we we behaved on a daily basis. Uh, we both experienced it, and we started this company because of, of of what we were seeing 
happening uh, to the to what people were doing is spraying chemicals, mm -hmm. which causes cellular death and has so many so many disadvantages. And we knew there was another solution. We knew there was an economic solution, uh, something that was economically safe as well as organic and as well as would not change the environment or uh, harm the aquatic life. And so that bread we do. We do green boating. Awesome. And Bobby, how about you? Well, you know, I, I didn't really grow up the same way Tara did in the uh, beautiful uh, upstate New York scenario. I'm from a little city outside of Miami. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, we grew up very different. But that being said, as an adult, I uh, came to work for them and uh, working for Tara and John quickly opened my eyes to, you know, what we were doing to this world, and specifically as it relates to waterways. And um, once I realized, you know, what a detrimental impact we as humans had on the water, I realized how important it was that we work together to, to, to save our waterways. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, here we are doing it every day. It's something so interesting for me when you think about preserving waterways and really just saving the environment in general. Chemicals are maybe they should be the obvious one, but a lot of people, when they think of those immediate harms, they think of plastic pollution and they think of trash and litter, but chemicals are playing such a major role in degradation of so many different landscapes and waterways. And, you know, in a lot of cases, you can't see them going in sometimes because people are very good at hiding runoff. <laughs> but yeah, to be able to be on the forefront of preventing that and providing a different solution, I think is, is really admirable. Thank you. Yes. I, I think it's important to understand that um, before us, we can understand when, when, when these mechanical harvesters were so big and so hard to get in smaller waterways, um, there was an immediate need to get rid of these weeds. I can understand mm -hmm. that maybe they were desperate, but after building this vessel, we're only 12 feet long and we're able to do you know, shoreline cleanup and very shallow waters, which is where predominantly these invasive weeds hang out. So if you take your shoreline and you go in six to 10 feet, that's it, that, that's, that's where they are. And that's the unsightly weeds. Those are the weeds that are harmful or that can, you know, an animal or a child can get caught in. Um, and mm -hmm. that's where people were trying to spray and get rid of. Now we have a solution. Now we have a small little vessel that comes in like a lawnmower or a bobcat and goes and cleans up and keeps the balance and the harmony of your aquatic life without destroying it. You know, it, it, it makes me crazy when I see these guys dressed up in all these, these huge white suits with these hats on and these respirators and they're spraying and they're like, no, it's just fine. It's not gonna harm anybody. And I'm like, then why are you wearing that suit? Yeah, <laughs> if it was so safe, then you'd be out there in just shorts and a t-shirt spraying it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different chemicals out there they use. Um, they all have one thing in common and that's cellular dust. Um, they don't care, you know, it, you might be spraying and it's something native. You might be mm -hmm. spraying something that should stay there. You can't, you can't pick or choose. So, you know, some people, some scientists will argue, oh, it's not that bad for you. And some, some people may say, yeah, it is. Well, I'm here to tell you who cares, but what I will tell you that's consistent is they're leaving this waste. So when you spray, mm -hmm. it just dies and falls to the bottom of the lake. That's where we're, our argument is so powerful because we're saying, get it out of there. Whether you right. spray it or you remove it, you want it out of the lake because if you keep spraying, after a certain amount of time, you'll lose the depth of your water and you basically are walking over an island that could have been a, a, a normal waterway. And that's, mm -hmm. it's, it's like the quick solution and it doesn't work. 
And that's what drives us crazy. Europe, they banned it. They banned the herbicides, completely banned it. And what they don't measure is, okay, I'm gonna spray these herbicides because the scientists say, oh, it's okay and it won't, it won't hurt you. But did you actually talk to the scientist who is spraying on your grass and that grass meets your water? I bet you didn't, because that's a toxic bloom you don't wanna breathe or ingest. Mm -hmm. And th there's also a host of problems that come along with that. So something that you've kind of touched on that I'd love to get into a little bit more. Sometimes when I think of herbicides and the problem of, of herbicides getting into our waterways, I think of runoff and I don't necessarily think of spraying herbicides directly into an aquatic area to get rid of aquatic weeds. So would you be able to briefly just touch on the herbicide issue in aquatic weed removal? To Tara's point that she just mentioned, um, a lot of these herbicide applicators they're spraying either, uh, you know, it could be a liquid or it could be a granule. Regardless, it's, it's a, a pesticide, it's an herbicide that's designed scientifically to, to kill aquatic vegetation. And what happens is mm -hmm. there's no magic wand with that stuff. It's not like you, you spray it and then the weeds go away. They, the mm -hmm. chemicals do their job, and that is to cause cellular death, which Tara mentioned. And when the weeds die over the course of a few weeks, they become very unsightly. It looks like an algal bloom. It's, uh, it can smell really uh, noxious, and then it'll continue to disintegrate and it'll decompose and drop down to the bottom of the lake bank. Then repeat that process month after month, year yeah, after year. And what happens is, mm -hmm. as Target exactly mentioned, you lose your lake depth. So what you're doing is making a, a bad situation worse because by, by having less depth in your waterways, you're creating a situation where the waters are going to be even hotter and warmer waters are going to continue to allow aquatic vegetation to proliferate. So it's, it's a horrible system. It just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Uh, a few years back, the University of Florida released a study that showed that aquatic weeds, when they're sprayed with certain chemicals, genetically modify themselves after time and come back with a tolerance to said chemical. So now you have to go mm -hmm. into your bag of tricks and find a different chemical to kill it. And then in a few months, the same process is gonna happen versus just taking a machine like the we do in this case and cutting the vegetation out of there, digging it, removing it and doing it the way it should be done. Responsibly. Naturally, yeah. responsibly, efficiently, effectively. Yeah, it's, it's something I find really interesting and kind of relates to that. I know with insecticides, the insects that survive that initial spraying are the ones that have some sort of genetic trait that makes them more inclined to survive. And there's a resistance to the insecticide. Those are now the ones that are going to be reproducing and creating more insects that are tolerant to those insecticides. And I'm sure with, like you mentioned, with, with weed removal, it's the same deal. The ones that are surviving are the ones that are going to spread around. And all of a sudden you have this new problem that you didn't anticipate. So that's right. yeah, definitely better to just avoid using it to begin with. <laughs> that's correct. That's exactly right. Absolutely. So yeah. my next question is what makes the we do boats special and how does your team get more people involved in environmentally friendly aquatic weed removal? So knowledge, teaching people, what, what are your choices? What's happening? Here's your problem. You have weeds, mm -hmm. how to get rid of them. You have choices, right? So Making people aware on a global scale as much as we can about facts, not mm -hmm. sales pitches, but real facts. What does herbicides do? What does it mean when the 
when when the waste falls to the bottom of the lake, how does it change your depth of water versus removing it? And if you remove it, how do you remove it responsibly? So you're not causing fragmentation. We've been very careful when we designed our product and we do, not only did we make this boat able to go into very shallow waters, but we've created a situation where we can do what's called precision harvesting. As we mentioned before, not all weeds are bad. Some are native. Mm -hmm. Some need to create nutrients and assist with oxygen. Some need to come out. And so with our vessel and our attachments, we've made it so that you can not only remove responsibly, but also another attachment, our skimmer bucket allows us to remove the seedlings. So we're not causing fragmentation. When a boat goes through the water with their propellers, a regular, just a motorboat, some family gets on and they want to drive around their lake and they have propellers, they're causing fragmentation if they go through a weed bunch, right? Mm -hmm. Because those seeds go flying around and then boom. So we try to responsibly remove, but also stop the fragmentation. And certain attachments are required to do such. Um, the boat is incredible because it is, um, it does have a shallow draft. Um, you can launch in as little as 10 inches of water and operate in 20 inches. Um, our uh, propulsion system is such that we can remove nearly 500 tons, uh, excuse me, 500 pounds a minute, which is how many tons a day? It's so 500 pounds a minute over the course of an eight-hour workday can equal over 100 tons of vegetation removed with one single we do workbook. What if wow. they take a break for a sandwich? Yeah. Well, it's really 120 <laughs> tons. That's why, I, that's why I went down to 100. To, to, to was 100 yeah, so lunch was already factored in. <laughs> lunch is factored in. So, yeah, I mean, that kind of vegetation removal is incredible. So mm -hmm. in one day, you you can look and see and and you and you immediately see um, the beauty of the lake. Uh, you don't have to sit around and wait for it to die and turn brown. Smell, look gross, have greasy grimy gopher guts underneath your feet. You know you don't have that anymore. Yeah, it's instant gratification. Yeah. yeah, and your your fish are clapping and they're cheering. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so you know it's scientifically proven this is the right way to go. It's a matter of of giving knowledge and and developing a product that suits the person financially as well as um, efficiently. Um, I think we have a, a, a couple of municipalities. We sell to the federal government. We sell to state, local. We have, we're in 14 countries now. Oh, wow. Um, but I have one story real quick we'll share. Um, why don't you talk about the municipalities? That just I think I know exactly who, yeah. what Dara's talking about. Yeah, there's a, a local municipality uh, here in South Florida, just outside of Fort Lauderdale. I, I won't say exactly who it is. I'll respect their privacy. But uh, they first came to us. Yeah, at this point, I guess it's been about four years yep. or so. And at the time, 2018, yeah. Yeah, yep. yeah, four years. So at the time, they, they had a, a yearly budget or annual budget of $150,000 to allocate for subcontractors to spray aquatic herbicides in their city's canal system. Um, we went down to the demonstration for them. They were more than enthused with what they saw. They placed their order and they got their first boat within that 2018 year. Um, so over the course of the next year, in conjunction with their boat and a little bit of spraying, um, they were able to reduce the amount of that $150,000 by 50%. So wow. in year two, they had a $75,000 budget for outside contracting for spraying. The rest of the work was being done with the Weedoo. In year three, they decided that enough was enough. They ordered another Weedoo boat. And with both boats over that next year, they were able to eliminate the contractor altogether. You now have zero dollars going to spray herbicides in the waterways 
and they've just recently submitted their purchase order for boat number three. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's financially, you know, when you see a town, uh, when you see a municipality come back and give us those numbers, God, it's so happy. We were just so happy about it because it really is a financial return in addition to being the right, uh, you know, the right it's organic a, it, way to remove it. It's a total win-win situation. You're, you're getting the yeah. waterways you need. The citizens are, are extremely happy. You're giving the commissioners and the city managers the props they deserve for, for making the right decisions. And at the end of the day, you have a healthy waterway that's being stewarded in the proper way and you're saving money. Yeah. And I think that's really exciting because I feel like a lot of times there's this whole argument that doesn't really make sense and doesn't need to be had, but people always say, Oh, well, I'm more concerned about saving money than I am about saving the environment. And more often than not, there is a solution that does both. Right. And it seems like here, this is the solution where you're protecting the waterways I'm sure the water is much more blue than it is when it's being sprayed with herbicides. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. also you're saving the municipality money. So yeah, it's like you said, it seems like a win-win. That's really great. So we'll take it a step further, which is really crazy, specifically uh, uh, here in Florida and other states. But I can tell you here in Florida, the in an effort to avoid a big water boom, what they usually do is they'll put houses around a the lake. Then they'll put a huge pump in the lake and use that to irrigate the land around them. And what what is mind boggling to me is they spray the lake. They say, don't swim for 24 hours, but they use that a pump and that very water to irrigate your land and your crops and your, your house and where your baby or your, or your dogs walk mm -hmm. barefoot. And they're literally spraying your grass and your plant life with the contaminated water. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And when when I tell people, they say, no, no, they couldn't possibly do that. I'm like, OK, let's take a look and see where your pump is. Yeah. Is that pump pulling water out of that lake? Yes. Is that lake being sprayed? Yes. You want to call your HOA president and change what's going on here? And, you know, then all of a sudden it's how could they do this? How could they have the right to do this? And there needs to be there needs to be laws. These people should have a right to protect themselves. Yeah, I mean, treating treating water as a right and treating it as something that you know people need to survive instead of just something that we can do whatever we please with. I think it changes the perspective of a lot of people, and maybe that is the direction we need to head. That way, people are more inclined to use machinery instead of using herbicides to keep their lakes thriving. Really, that's right, especially when it's affordable. Yeah. So, Tara, this is a question more geared towards you, but when I was doing some prep work for the interview, I was admittedly reading up on you a little bit on your LinkedIn page and some publications, and I saw the word trailblazer thrown around quite a bit. So <laughs> I'd like to know what advice you might have for any women or young girls that are listening to this episode right now who might also aspire to do something that's traditionally in more of a male-dominated industry. Uh, sure. Um, yeah, I think that the first thing you need to do is have some confidence in yourself and your abilities to get things done. Um, you have to start with a dream. You have to start with a passionate dream. You have to start with something that you believe in. When you get up every morning, do you believe in what you do? I think if you start there um, and then you realize that, you, you know, as, as women, um, you're you're specifically asking me, and I'm a woman. Um, as women, we are very, um, we are really good at multitasking. So for me, running a company or, or companies, um, it's not very difficult because I'm used to multitasking as it is, and it's super simple. So 
we're organized. We, I personally, we, we don't have egos. We're very organized. And I built a company based on our customer base. I think that when people start to build companies based on what they want versus what their customers want, I think they start to lose track of where they're going. I believe we do has been built based on the feedback that our customers have given us. Every time I sell a vessel or every time we develop an R&D product, we're doing it because customers have come to us and they've said to me, Tara, please help us with this problem. Um, and this is a very unique problem to this area. And we listen mm -hmm. and, and trailblazing, I mean, all I know is I, there's nothing that stands in my way. <laughs> if there is, I simply laugh and just push it over. I mean, you just can't, you, you just get out of my way. I mean, I grew up show jumping horses. So jumping over a five foot ox or on a 1500 pound animals, kind of not a big deal. You know, I mean, if you do that, sitting and running companies are pretty easy. I, mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I think it's what you've been exposed to. And um, I, I think that you have to look at conflicts as fun. Um, and not terrorize it. Um, I think conflicts should be resolved and, and I think you should have fun doing it. Um, I think conflict resolution is what's made me grow um, in all the major industries I've been in. And to your point, I've been in mostly male dominated industries uh, starting on Wall Street. And it's fun. I think it's, I think it's the, the way your brain has to look at it. It's either intimidating or you feel that you're at a disadvantage or you think it's fun and 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 it's achievable, and you want to climb that that mountain. And I think it entirely is in your mind. Um, once you set your goals and you're organized and you're and you're precise and you're polite, I feed my guys lunch every day. I have a beautiful factory. I have a beautiful team, and every single day on Mondays I get groceries for the entire week. So I, I embrace. The womanhood that I am. I'm, I'm a widow now. Unfortunately, I lost my husband in 2019. Sorry to hear that. And I don't have children, but my entire company are like brothers and sisters to me, you know? So every Monday I get groceries for the week for everybody. And probably twice a week I make, you know, food, whether I make ZD or I embrace being a woman for that. Um, I'm very maternal to everybody here. Um, and I love that. And I feel that if you embrace your femininity, but you also aren't afraid to be, um, you know, aggressive where you need to be aggressive, I think being a woman is frankly easier than probably being a man. <laughs> <Sometimes>. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I, I really appreciate your answer and, and your insight there. And, you know, I, I hope that that connects to at least one person out there who's maybe wants to start their own company and is waiting for that gentle nudge in the right direction. Here it is. Thank you. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. All right. So we close out all of our interviews with three fun, rapid fire questions. You both ready? <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> all right. Number one, what is your favorite animal? Horse. I like dogs. All right. Number two, what is something that you do to be more sustainable in your own life? What do we clean up? Uh, you stole my answer. Hey. <laughs> I help her run the business. And just want to <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. And number three, what is one topic you think my listeners should be more aware of after hearing from you today? Look at your water. Look at signs. Talk to your local government. Ask them how they're treating their waters. Be aware. Start there, please. Just be aware. And then from there, you're welcome to call us, talk to us. We'll help you with your local municipality or whatever we need to do. Just be aware. Be aware. It's so important. 
and, and ask your authorities, what are they doing to keep this waterway so beautiful and clean? Or why aren't they utilizing mechanical harvesting? Mm -hmm. I saw a sign that says chemicals don't fight it. I mean, just stand your ground. Yeah, no swimming for 24 hours. Okay, why? Why is it safe at 25 hours? What, what, what happened <laughs> over the course of the last hour? You know, to Tara's point, ask questions. Be aware. And, and, and be vigilant, be aware, and learn about chemicals. Like before, uh, you know, Tara's late husband, John Grimes, taught me about Roundup. I had no idea what Roundup really was. I didn't know that spraying a chemical on a plant that made it die was bad for the entire planet. Mm -hmm. And what I would encourage your listeners, if they don't already know, look it up to the research and find out why it's bad because it, it truly is. There's awesome. other ways. Yeah, I, I really appreciate both those answers as well. This was, uh, this was great. And I really enjoyed your time today. Um, if people want to keep up with either of you or the We Do team, where is the best place to do that? So our website, www.wedoboats.com, W-E-E-D-O-O-B-O-A-T-S.com. Um, also, I'm on LinkedIn under Tara Lordy. We also have We Do Boats under LinkedIn. And then, of course, we're on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, TikTok. <laughs> you can find you us can anywhere tweet, and reach you out. Can like, yeah. You can chat. You can do any of the yeah. above. Awesome. Yeah, we will uh, we'll link your website in the show notes. And if you're listening now, you can you know where to find people on the social medias. <laughs> We're grateful for you giving us the time today. Thank you so much. Matt, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the platform. Yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. And that will do it for today's episode of TPT. Thanks again to Tara and Bobby for their time. And make sure to check out the links in your show notes. We'll be back on Monday for a mini-sode to kick off August. But until then, make sure to follow along on our socials at Planet Today Pod for more TPT. For the Planet Today, I am Matt Norden. See you on Monday. <laughs>